It is always an honor and a privilege to come before you in fear and trembling. Suzanne can tell you that during the course of the week uh, when I'm going to be preaching, there are days when I go, I don't want to preach this Sunday. <laughs> and then there's other moments, especially right as I'm walking in the sanctuary, that I start to get excited. <laughs> so it's wonderful to be with you. It's an honor. But it is with fear and trembling. But I'm reminded that really it's the work of the Spirit. So I invite you as I pray this morning to open your hearts to the Spirit. Say to the Spirit in your own way, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. You might walk out of the service this morning and say, you know, Brad, while you were preaching, the Spirit was telling me something, which has nothing to do with what I said today. <laughs> That's how the Spirit works. Let us pray. O oh, Spirit, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts by the power of the Spirit at work within us be pleasing in thy sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The pearl of great price. Many of us have heard this parable explained to us. It's often read as a kind of, again, Christian allegory of discipleship. The merchant is the metaphorical model for the disciple. And Jesus and the pearl is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. That's often how we've heard of it. But remember what Joe and I have been saying to you these last few weeks as we have been preaching the parables. We want to read the parables in ways that surprise us, that shock us. If you read a parable and you think, ooh, I like that. And Jill Levine says, you're not reading carefully enough. We want to be surprised. We want to be disturbed in all the right ways. And remember, a parable is not a problem to be solved. It's a mystery to be embraced. A mystery to be embraced. So in order to do that, we have said it's helpful once again to think a little bit about how the original listeners would have heard the story. The different characters and the piece of it, how, how it might have hit those listeners in the time and day in which they were hearing the story from Jesus. So let's begin with the merchant. Now merchants were not necessarily held in high esteem in Jesus' day. The Greek term here connotes a kind of wholesaler who perhaps sells items to consumers they do not need at prices they cannot afford. Sound familiar? <laughs> Comparing the kingdom to a merchant might be a bit of a tough sell in Jesus' day, and maybe in ours as well. Now, the only place where we actually see in the Bible where a merchant is used in a positive connotation is actually in Proverbs 3.14 and 31.14, where the passages are about the women of wisdom. Perhaps only in the wise hands of the supernatural woman is engaging in high-end trade a good thing. Going to get an amen, women. Well, what about the pearl? Now, in the allegorical telling of a parable, remember that's where we say this is like that. The pearl stands for this. The merchant stands for that. And we want to read beyond that. But in the allegorical telling of this parable, the pearl often stands for Christ or the gospel or Jesus in some way. 
Now, most people in Jesus' day, scholars tell us, may have never seen a pearl. Although pearls do show up in Scripture in a number of places, often treated with great respect. And it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that pearls come from shellfish, which are not kosher for the Jews. But pearls were not disallowed. Mostly what we can say about the pearl is that it is, in fact, of great value. But we always want to read carefully, don't we? And we always want to read slowly. You know Brad's instructions for reading the Bible? Read it. Read it again. Or read it a third time. (laughs) Not too hard. The parable doesn't say that the kingdom is the pearl. Did you get that? The parable says that the kingdom is like a merchant who dot, dot, dot. A seeking merchant. A merchant who seeks. Now, this seeking merchant, he's searching and he finds something. He finds something that he is actually looking for, Scripture tells us. Now, this makes this parable a little bit different than the parable right before it where a man finds a treasure buried in a field. That man seems to come across the treasure accidentally, but in this parable, the man is searching, he's seeking. But what both men share in common is that they invest all of their resources to obtain the thing that they either are searching or the thing that they find. They go all in. Now, the word here for sold, he sells everything, right, suggests that he, the merchant, the seeking merchant, gives up all of his possessions, his home, food, clothing, and provisions for his family if he had one. Now, that's kind of strange, isn't it? What is strange, what's strange about this man is that he sells everything to obtain this pearl To obtain something he greatly values, but he can't actually live off unless he sells it again. Have you ever thought about that? Okay, I got it. How do I do with it? Sit around and, oh my precious. (laughs) I'm glad there's some nerds in the crowd this morning. But we don't see in the scripture, because it's a short story, right? Two verses. We don't see anything that suggests that he's going to live off the pearl as an investment or that he's going to turn around and sell it again. But if he doesn't turn around and sell it again, it's interesting because the merchant no longer becomes a merchant. He gives up everything he has to obtain this pearl. So in doing this almost rather foolish thing, He's changed his identity. By obtaining the pearl of ultimate value, the merchant stops being a merchant. Are you with me now? When one searches for the kingdom, one might just be changed forever. I don't see you scribbling that in your worship folder this morning. But really, the kingdom is not the merchant. 
And the kingdom is not the pearl. The kingdom is like a merchant who seeks pearls. Maybe, just maybe, the kingdom is in fact, are you ready for this? The kingdom in fact is an action that leads to something amazing. The kingdom is an action that leads to something amazing. What if the kingdom is not so much a noun as it is a verb? I love turning nouns into verbs. Christians should always be kingdoming. That's exciting. <laughs> Christians should always be kingdoming. Searching, seeking, doing. In this parable, we have a man in the wrong profession and a luxury item that few people can afford. But what we see is something that is truly countercultural. He, the merchant, the seeking merchant, recognizes what is of true value, and he does whatever he has to in order to obtain it, even if that means changing who he is. Perhaps this, ch this parable wants to challenge us to think about the importance of what we do how it impacts our identities and our sense of what we value ultimately. Well, you know you could get that much out of two verses, did you? The merchant demonstrates that you change in the very search for the kingdom. You change in the very search for the kingdom. The merchant no longer becomes a merchant. He is changed forevermore. The merchant goes all in, if you will, for his ultimate concern. The parable asks us, can we assess what is of ultimate concern? What we ultimately value in our lives? And can we step aside from all that we have in order to obtain it? That's actually a really big question, friends. Don't be fooled by the brevity of it. Can we step aside from all that we have in order to obtain it? That is what the kingdom looks like. Fred Craddock is one of my favorite old school preachers. He's kind of the guy who invented what's now called narrative preaching. And he was wonderful at telling stories. And this is one of his stories. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Wrong. If you believe in God, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Any old dogs here this morning? He says, I've never been to the Greyhound races. Remember Greyhound races? Some of you still know about those? But I've seen them on TV. They have these beautiful big old dogs. I say beautiful, they're really ugly big old dogs. And they run that mechanical rabbit around the ring and those dogs just run, exhausting themselves, chasing it. When those dogs get to where they can't race, the owners put a little ad in the paper. And if anybody wants one for a pet, they can have it. Otherwise, they're going to be destroyed. I have a niece in Arizona who can't stand that. She goes and gets them. Big old dogs in the house. She loves them. I was in a home not long ago where they adopted a dog that had been a racer. It was a big old greyhound, spotted hound, lying there in the den. 
One of the kids in the family, just a toddler, was pulling on its tail. And a little older kid had his head on that old dog's stomach, used it for a pillow. That dog just seemed so happy. And I said to that dog, uh, are you still racing anymore? No, 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 I don't race anymore, said the dog. I said, do you miss the glitter and excitement of the track? He said, no, no. I said, well, what's the matter? You get too old? No, no, I still had some race in me. Well, did you not win? He said, I won over a million dollars for my owner. Then what was it, bad treatment? Oh, no, they treated us royally when we were racing. I said, then what happened? Did you get crippled? He said, no, no, no. I said, then what? He said, I quit. You quit? Yep, that's what he said. I quit. I said, why did you quit? And he said, I discovered that what I was chasing was not really a rabbit. And I quit. He looked at me and said, all that running, 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 and what I was chasing, not even real. What do we chase? What do we chase? Because that's the kingdom. And is it even real? I want us to remember again that in these parables, especially this little group of parables in Matthew where it's like rapid-fire parable, right? I want us to remember in these particular parable stories that the kingdom is often described as small, hidden, secret, but worth searching for. Small, hidden, secret, and worth searching for. And when found, this parable said, it's worth everything we have. So we often find the kingdom in small, unexpected places if we learn how to practice finding it. If we learn how to practice looking for it. And when we find it, we are then in the great place to participate with it. Which has got me thinking about remarkably ordinary pearl stories. Remarkably ordinary pearl stories. A parent gives up the chance for a career to stay home and care for children. Remarkably ordinary. A man leaves his lucrative job at a weapons manufacturer because he believes Jesus wasn't joking when he said, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Remarkably ordinary. A high schooler forsakes the cool table to befriend a kid who is bullied and alone. Remarkably ordinary. Or when I was a youth pastor, and yes, I was a youth pastor at one time, the head cheerleader at the high school every Wednesday night picked up the student with developmental challenges brought him to church and took him home without any fanfare. I didn't even know about it. Remarkably ordinary. 
A graduate student rejects a prestigious internship in another state for a less prestigious one so that he and his family can remain a part of their local church community. Remarkably ordinary. A young family decides not to use their financial means to move to a nicer neighborhood and a school district, but to stay where they are so they can practice loving their neighbors, even those that seem so different from them. Remarkably ordinary. Friends, these stories may be ordinary, but don't be mistaken, they are remarkable. (laughs) And they matter, they are the kingdom. And one more surprising, potentially problematic issue in this parable that occurs to me is if we read it only allegorically, if we read it only as, you know, the pearl is the kingdom, there's a potential problem there that we might turn the kingdom into a commodity. That we might turn the kingdom into a commodity. In other words, we might start to believe that we can obtain it. Maybe we can purchase it. Maybe somehow through our own efforts we can acquire it. And when we fall into that trap, it's not far to starting to believe that somehow we own the kingdom. We deserve the kingdom. And maybe we should even do all we can to hold on to it. Make sure nobody else gets too close to it. Now that kind of thinking, some of you know, right, bleeds over into a kind of deluded belief that some of us have that somehow we own the church. This is my church. I've been here a long time. Pastor Joe, I put blood, sweat, and tears in this place. And if you don't do blank... I'll just take my tithe and go home. Friends, we don't own the kingdom. We search for the kingdom. We look for the kingdom. We're lucky if we find the kingdom. And when we do, we have the opportunity to begin to participate in it in a way that we all find great treasure. It leads to something remarkably ordinary and extraordinary. So let's remember, the parable is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be embraced. And here is the last final mysterious paradox for me. The kingdom is something, the parable seems to suggest, that we should go all out for. And it will change us. And it could change our ultimate concerns. But we can't possess it or own it. That's a paradox, right? Go for it, find it, search it. But you can't hold on to it. You can't keep it. You can't own it. In fact, the kingdom does no good if you keep it only to yourselves. For just like the merchant, if we don't turn around... And give the pearl away. The merchant's no better off than if he'd never sought in the first place. After all, what good is a treasure if you hoard it? 
After all, what good is a kingdom if you don't share it? I'm going to ask Mateo and Lauren to come. And they're going to lead us in a song in a moment for us to reflect upon. But I want to say this. Remember, we're trying to ask a particular question about these parables. And the question is not, what does the parable mean? The question is, what does the parable do? What does the parable do to you today? Will you search? For that's the kingdom. Will you be changed? For that's the kingdom. Will you always be kingdoming? And when you find that thing, when you become part of that thing, oh, friends, will you give it away? requires surrender it requires all of us let's reflect together and sing this song